Welcome back to Hamratty's Huddle with your host, Terry Hamratty. I'm Dave Taromio. We're coming off a, uh, a bad week for Notre Dame. Terry, let's just jump right in with that. Well, Dave, this is our fifth show, and uh, we, we've said good things about Notre Dame and bad things. And, and this, this week, I think, is really, really has me puzzled when I try to think about you know the game against Clemson. Because we've had so many great games this year. You know, Ohio State, we lost the game, but we played really, really well. And against uh, Southern Cal, you know, we really stifled their quarterback, who was the, you know, current Heisman Trophy winner or holder. And uh, now all of a sudden we go back and get into a funk again. And I really think that, you know, we could put a real emphasis on at the beginning of the year we had a, a real diverse offense where we ran some screens, we ran some draws, we ran some uh, – deep stuff. We ran some shallow stuff. We, we, we really ran a lot of people. We put guy, guy in the backfield to block for the, the lead running back. And that's all the stuff that I've been calling for under Kelly for the last eight years that he's been there. And I thought, wow, this is really turning things around. Notre Dame's offense is finally getting where they're not predictable. But this week, the last two or three weeks, it's like they threw the, the, the brand new playbook away mm. and they're bringing in the old playbook from dusting it off from when Brian Kelly was the coach there. And I'm saying, I, I can't understand why, what, what is going on there. And it's to the point, and after the game, I don't think I've ever been upset over another name loss. You know, yeah. you feel bad and all that stuff, but, you know, yeah. no, nothing is going to bother me. But this one, I just couldn't, I just, I, I can't figure the team out. I really can't. Yeah. I, and what I want to do this year, and then I'm going to do it sometime in, in the in the off season this winter. I'm going to travel out to Notre Dame, and I'm going to sit down with the coaches and give them. I can give them ten things to do. Yep. To really perfect for next year that would make them look like a totally different new offense, and it would be so unpredictable, and it would be so. I think where they want to get. Right, and I'll, I'll, I'll accompany you on that trip. I'll be your caddy, and I'll just walk around. It's been a while since I've been to Notre Dame when I was at the Football Foundation. I spent a lot of time almost once a month out there when the Hall of Fame was in South Bend and got a lot of time in that stadium and actually brought my kids to a game when they were very young. They won't remember it because they're too young, but uh, back to the game, you know, just uh, they just never got going. And then, you know, Clemson, who was coming into the game 4-4, four and four, Kind of motivated, really at the bottom of the ACC. They go up twenty-four to nine at the half, and, and you just, you know, you just keep waiting for Notre Dame to turn it on. And what we said last week really happened. Yeah. We said, be careful with Clemson because mm-hmm. they have a lot of speed, they have a lot of talent, but it hasn't gone their way this year. Sometimes it's just the flip of the coin; these little things go wrong, and all of a sudden you lose it for a quarter, and all of a sudden you lost the game. Yeah. But Clemson is very dangerous, and they proved that they were very dangerous. They're well coached. Yeah. I think uh, their Clemson coach is just absolutely wonderful with, with the kids and, and on the field. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's it was just such a game that, you know, really I, I said, you know, I've never been in such a funk after a Notre Dame game, but that, that one did it for me. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I hate to see you in a funk about anything, Terry. But, um, you know, just a bat, an off day for Sam Hartman, 13-30, 146 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. Um, that's so, the other one. Yeah. I mean, he, he was really, at the beginning of the year, the first half of the, the season so far, 
you know, he was on board. He was throwing the ball deep. He was throwing the ball, spreading it out to different receivers, and mm-hmm. the running backs were catching the ball in the backfield, and they were throwing screens. And it looked like a totally different, very enjoyable uh, offense to watch. But then yeah. again, all of a sudden, the last few weeks, he's done a lot of picks, and, you know, we just haven't had the success. And we, and we relied too much on the defense. And any time you do that, then your defense is going to tire. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, they're going to start giving up a lot of points, and they the defense did not look look well against uh, Clemson. Uh, Clemson I, I ran think, the ball. Yeah, the ball. they really didn't. And, and you know, I think you're right. Though. I think they just caught Clemson at a bad time on their home turf, kind of pissed off. They're really not having a great season. Dabble was pissed off with the call he got last week. I don't know if you heard it about a guy calling, you know, telling me he makes too much money. Just really something stupid. But it is stupid because yeah. he's been more. He's done more for Clemson than than any coach I think they've ever had, including Frank Howard way back in the day. Yeah, I agree. Dabo has been, you know, he's been wonderful, and he's been a, a great ambassador for for Clemson. I think he really puts on a great show out there, and you know, and, and he's very sincere. And his yeah. background is, uh, you know, where he he uh, he grew up in a in a in a uh, in the top of a garage. He and his mother lived alone there, and uh, I mean, he had a lot of. It wasn't easy for him. Right. And he's made it to the top, and you got to give him a lot of credit. So Notre Dame stays in the ACC this week. They, they welcome Wake Forest, who is 4-5, um, you know, not having 13th in the ACC. So this is a game where you kind of say, you know, th- th- I think the Fighting Irish are going to be all over this, to be honest. Well, it's a, sort of a coming home for Sam Hartman. That's where he played the last five years. That's right. And, you know, when you talk about, you know, both – Cone, who they brought in from uh, Wisconsin, then they bring in Hartman from uh, Wake Forest. I think they were really good ambassadors for their short stay at Notre Dame, and I think they both did well. But we still lost three games under both quarterbacks. Right. And so that tells you that, you know, we have young kids that are there. Why don't we just develop what we have? We have a a five-star coming in next year, C.J. Carr. Whose, fa- whose uh, grandfather was uh, Lloyd Carr, who was the head coach of uh, Michigan for years. So Harbaugh was not happy to lose uh, C.J. Carr. And uh, so develop your own kids and let them come up through the process and let them really get in, involved with the Notre Dame spirit, the Notre Dame community. And, and I think eventually it's going to be better for you. you, you these one-year ba- Band-Aids I don't think is ever going to be successful. How do you recruit a quarterback? When all of a sudden you say, "Okay, we want to bring you in," but we're going to we're going to bring in a quarterback in case we need him from a, a, another institution to play his fifth or sixth year. So it's going to be very difficult if you keep doing this, putting those bandages on. It's going to be tough to bring in tough quarterbacks. I agree. And uh, so, any other thoughts about Notre Dame at this point, Terry? Well, I think it's I think our New Year's Day bowl may be out of the out the out of the window because of that loss. I think we're obviously we're gonna be in a bowl game. You know, we have seven wins already and we should have the you know, the next two you know, we should have a nine or three record. But I think unless there's a lot of upsets and a lot of losses by different people, I think we ought to the New Year's Day games. But it it's a learning process, you know, and you know, we're under a new coaching staff and uh Freeman is Learning to be a head coach at Notre Dame and being in the spotlight every weekend, so it's you know it's it's a learning for everybody. And we have one thing he has really done well is bringing a lot of talent. We've never been had this kind of depth before, 
So that's all obviously great. And you see very few kids decommitting from Notre Dame, which is another good mm. point. So, you know, let's keep this ball rolling and, you know, stay with Freeman and uh, let's go from there. Let me ask you a question about the Bulls. When you're, a, when you're an athlete and you're at a school like Notre Dame and you hope to be, you know, vying for the national championship every year and in those exceptional New Year's Day Bulls, and granted the Bulls have changed over the years, um, and you go to, let's just call it a lesser bowl, just no offense to anybody. A non-New Year's Day bowl. A non-New bowl. Year's Day bowl. And, and, and uh, as a player, do you go, eh? Because we've seen a lot of players kind of, especially guys that are going to declare for the NFL, kind of back out of these bowl games. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's really a fine line because you've seen guys that didn't back out of those, you know, get hurt in a bowl game, an unnecessary bowl game. If you're going to the playoffs, that's a different different ball game. We have a chance to go to a national, you know, be a national champion. Then you're gonna play with play with your team and stay with your team. But the lesser bowls, you know, and it's and it's not all that bad for the school either because you're getting other kids in there to play. Because it doesn't mean anything really for the ranking because pretty much the ranking is over for the year. But once you get into the bowl season, but you're getting these kids playing time for next year. So that's um, that's one of the things. You know, getting into a bowl is a big thing because you get two extra weeks practice. Then you get experience in the bowl game. And if you have younger kids in there, you know, that's one that's a real building block for next year. Right. Very good. I think, you know, I, I love the bowls. I love the bowl season. I'll watch any bowl at any time of the day usually. So I just enjoy it. I enjoy that part of the college football season. So, Well, okay. what happens now when you get into the – the new formation of all these different conferences. What's going to happen to the? You know, you got Southern Cal going to the Big Ten. You got UCLA going to the Big Ten. You got Oregon going to the Big Ten. What happens to the Rose Bowl? You know, the granddaddy of them all. Who's going yeah. to be playing? Then you got an expansion of your playoffs to twelve teams. So who goes to the Rose Bowl? Thirteen right. or fourteen? Yeah, you know everybody. You know I loved watching the Rose Bowl parade. I loved to watch the whole right that whole day, whole day yeah, of with leading it, yeah. up to these games. Yeah, and I think the whole country really enjoyed stuff like that because you see the ratings on TV; they were through the roof on all the Rose Bowl parades and the games and whatnot. And it's going to be a, a, a different, different atmosphere in in uh, the bowl season once all these conferences get settled. Yeah, you know they say to embrace change, but I have to say. Uh, some of these changes, and I'm an older guy, so, um, you know, I, I will just say some things I don't like. But uh, let's, let's. Well, I can remember going back to when I was playing Notre Dame when, when we did not go to bowl games. You yeah. Know, the, the good priest back there said you have 10 football games to play, then you get back to the classroom. So, and then back then there were only about a half a dozen bowl games that you went to. Yeah. Now, I think it's uh, like 32 different bowls or 64 teams that go to bowl games. You know, so it's, it's really crazy, you know, the way things have uh, gone over the years. I have to say, I'm a, I'm a little confused. You know, we're sitting here on a, uh, on a Thursday afternoon, and I've been looking, what I've been looking for really is the spread of this game. And for some reason, some of these people have Wake Forest playing NC State this week um, on these schedules, and I'm really confused. Um, so well, we'll Wake to... Forest will be in South Bend, Indiana tomorrow. Yeah, something is somebody somebody screwed up somewhere because I'm looking at a couple different sites. But uh, all right, so let's move on from that. Let's get into uh, 
uh, game where they play for pay. Well, I guess they do it at the college level now, too. So. Now they do it <laughs> big time. So, um, the NFL and and your Pittsburgh Steelers. Nice win last week over Tennessee they, on a they, Thursday night. they got to win. Yeah. We'll put it that way. So, winning ugly is still a win. Mm-hmm. I got and you. I think, uh, you know, now that, now they got Hayward back on the defensive line. He's been missing for about eight or nine weeks now. And he played a little bit last week and did very well. So I think he's got to sort of work himself into the season and into, you know, regular playing rotation. But, uh, you know, it's all Pickett and Pinkett. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the, the two P's and Say Pittsburgh. Say that five times fast. <laughs> and I think they really have to, uh, you know, get settled in there and, and uh, you know, they have to get the passing game going because one complements the other. They haven't been able to really – get into the, the motion. Of the, they've had a lot of, you know, Canada, the uh, the offensive coordinator for the Steelers, has been criticized a lot. And I watched that game last week. I tell you, they, they, there's a lot of receivers that were open. Yeah. And he, the play that he called, there were, there were guys open on the field. It's just that the quarterback is not getting the ball to them. So they've got to really, you know, it's not all his fault. Once, you know, everybody loves to blame one person. But in football, you got to realize – there's 11 players on offense and 11 on defense. One person screws up, then you have a, a negative play. So, yeah. you know, you got to spread the blame around. Yeah, I hear you. So before we get into a story about one of your stories from when you played, I, I, I just have to revisit this because uh, these schedules are saying that Notre Dame is playing Wake Forest on the 18th of November. Uh, so the 11th, they have Wake Forest playing NC State. Folks, I'm just trying to tell you, if you're listening to us, don't blame us. We're just trying to steer you the right way. Check the schedule and, and see, because Notre Dame already had a bye. So I don't understand these. Uh, somebody who's, who's putting out these schedules is, is screwing up. And it ain't us, all right? But with that said, let's, um, let's, let's go with a story we heard on the clubhouse last week. You were kind enough to join us on the radio show, The Clubhouse on WGCH, a, a fine radio station here in Greenwich, Connecticut. But uh, why don't we talk about uh, the story you told us, which was a great story about Jack Lambert. Well, everybody knows Jack Lambert. You know, Jack is one of these guys who came to the Steelers. I can guess I was in my third or fourth year. He came as a second-round pick out of Kent State, and he would have been probably a first-round pick. But he, Jack had a, lot, a little bit of baggage there. Where, you know, he liked to fight in bars and he was a tough guy and all this stuff. So everybody's saying, well, you know, do we take him or do we take him? And we, Noel finally picked him in the second round. And he came to camp like he was a veteran. You know, people were afraid. The guys, players were afraid to really do, say anything negative or do anything against him. And I, and I loved, I was a quarterback. So on a team, you, you can't hit your own quarterback in right. practice. Right. So, I mean, you all basically had a red shirt on your whole time in practice. Yep. And so I figured, and I love practical jokes. <laughs> so I would say, what, what am I going to do to Lambert? I got to do something to loosen this guy up. I mean, he's he just too wound too tight. Yeah. So I think, oh, nice. I'm thinking about this, and all of a sudden, if you got to visualize the locker room in the field, there's a big square area, and the lockers are all around the perimeter, circling around. Yep. And you had to be big because sometimes you had to actually stretch indoors because if yeah. the weather was so bad outside, you wanted to get loose before gotcha. you even walked to the side. So you had a room for about 50 bodies just to stretch out on the on the floor. So it was big. Yeah. And I was number five, so I was the first locker. Lambert was 58, so he pretty much crossed the locker room from me. Right. And your shoulder pads are on the top of your locker. 
Okay. So when you you know put your clothes on, you reach up for your shoulder pads. You got to pull them, pull them down, right? So I went over. I put two cups of water under Lambert's shoulder pads. <laughs> And I'm one of the first guys in because I like to watch a lot of film earlier and, you know, get a lot of notes and whatnot on on the teams. So I'd be sitting there with my cup of coffee at my locker, and Jack would walk in, and he'd always have this frown on his face. Like, you know, he was always in a nasty mood. And I would just, it was stern look, and I'd just nod my, good morning, Jack. And he'd walk to his locker, and he'd get dressed, get dressed. All of a sudden, he'd pull the shoulder pads down, and boom, two glasses of water fell on him. Nice. So he just looks at me, and he knows damn well it was me. And I just sort of nod my head, good morning again, good morning. So I catch him three days in you a row. you got that quarterback protection oh, thing. Oh, quarterback there. protection there. That, that's the only reason I'm doing this. But you got, you're definitely out of protection there. So I did this to him three days in a row. And I finally went up to him. I said, Jack, you're just too easy. You're, I'm wasting my time on you. You're not a challenge. Tomorrow morning when you come in, you get up on your stool, you look under your shoulder pads, and if there's water, you just take them out and throw them in the trash. That's all you got to do. So the next morning comes up. I'm sitting over there having my cup of coffee, and Lambert walks in. He's Now he's got a grin on his face. I'm yeah. like, whoa, Jack, something has changed here. He gets in there. He gets up on his stool. He lifts his shoulder pads up. Nothing there. Yep. And he looks over and just smiles at me. The next morning, I caught him. <laughs> he thought you were done. And everybody went crazy. Because <laughs> everybody was watching Lambert pulling these cups of water down. But Jack was a dear friend. The yeah. other thing, when, you know, I was this past when COVID hit. Yeah. I had a bad. I was in the hospital five days. Yeah. About 103 and a half temperature and 85 oxygen, double pneumonia plus COVID. Jeez. Whoa. I can't even say yeah. it all. Yeah. But in Lambert. You know, he's always the tough guy. Even to yeah. this day, you know, he'll, he'll never smile. He always yeah, yeah. wants to portray this image. Yep. And we became really close friends over the years. Yep. Really, really good good people. But he called Rocky Blyer right. and said, hey, have you heard anything about handwriting? How's he doing? How's he mm -hmm. doing? So Rocky told me this. I said, perfect. Mm -hmm. I got interviewed as soon as I got out of the hospital. I said, you know, it's really nice. You know, how Jack Lambert is such a sensitive human being. But he called. He wanted to know how I was doing all this. He, Rocky gets a call from Lambert. And he says, that son of a bitch. <laughs> you got to tell him to shut up. <laughs> so there he we go. He's known as a nice guy. There we go yeah. again. No. We, we've always had. The thing is, he, he's so easy you can catch him on anything, which is, you know. Yeah, That's you fine. know, it's it, it's a great story, love it, and Lambert was an exceptional middle linebacker, and at the end of the day, you told the story when, when Dick Buckus died about looking across the line and seeing his big saucer eyes looking at you. Lambert with, the, with that, with that, with those no teeth, yeah, you know, no, kind of grimacing, you know, it was... Well, he used to do the same thing in practice. Yeah, okay, well, there you go. <laughs> but he time, knew he couldn't hit you in practice. Yeah, one time <laughs> in practice, I came up the line of scrimmage, I'm looking over, and all of a sudden, Lambert, I was looking, oh, man, this is another one I <laughs> Dude here, <laughs> without the teeth and everything, yeah. and I blew him a kiss. Oh yeah, right. And right in the middle of practice, he yells out, "Chuck, hand ready!" Just blew me a kiss. And there was this pregnant pause, and just everybody just erupted, and Lambert just turned beet red. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's almost as good as the water story. I love oh. that. You, we should have told that one on the air. Okay. Terry, another great podcast. We're winding down. Um, last thoughts for the week. Well, hopefully Notre Dame gets back on track, and I want to see these young quarterbacks that they have there to get in the game 
and get some playing experience, and let's start to creep towards next year. All right. Go Irish, go Steelers, uh, and uh, that's for Terry, not for Dave. But uh, <laughs> we're, we're with you on that, bud. And go New Canaan Rams. All right? Thanks, Terry. Okay, thank you.